Good morning. My name's Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that each of you are here. I don't know that I've, I've said this before, but around 8.05 a.m. on Sunday mornings is just about my favorite time of the week. I don't know uh, if you know this about me. I'm kind of a sensitive guy, you know? And sometimes by the time I get here on a Sunday morning, I just feel so, uh, uh, I don't know, worn down or overwhelmed by all that, all that we have to carry and, and be a part of and interact with during the week. There's this thing that happens around 8.05 a.m. I just feel the spirit of God. It's like the church is still alive. We came back together, right, to do it again. We're not trying to uh, manipulate any kind of thing this morning or be super dramatic, but there is this powerful thing that happens in the faithful gathering week after week after week. If you've not yet engaged in that as a part of your life, I would highly recommend it. Just to say, I'm coming back next week and the next week and the next week and the next week. Don't make it sermon dependent, please. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't make it be about, you know, a preference, but about the living God. I grew up uh, just a couple of miles from here, right off of South Mount Juliet Road. And as things go in your life, I moved back there uh, a few years ago. I live right next door to my parents. And we live right off of, as I said, off South Mount Juliet Road. And it was just a little country road when we grew up there. But now it's like this major highway, or at least it sounds like it from my backyard. I heard one of our state officials saying that, that literally about 30,000 people drive past my house, you know, kind of, kind of going from Smyrna to Mount Juliet every, every day. But there's this thing that happens after Christmas time, just like in the 10 days or so after Christmas, when that traffic actually increases because everybody is making what I call the post-Christmas exodus to the dump. Uh, And the dump, if you don't know about the dump, it's this place called Suggs Creek uh, Convenience Center or Disposal Center. It's right off of South Mount Juliet Road on Stewart's Ferry. How many of you know the dump? Yeah. I was, after Christmas, they also put up this sign that says, we have sausage, which I don't understand. <laughs> but that is not in my sermon. I just thought about it. But after Christmas, everybody, even folks who have trash pickup at their house, right? You have to go to the dump because you've got all your Christmas trash, all the Amazon boxes and the presents and, uh, you know, that inside part of the turkey that hopefully you double bagged and all these things. You have to, you have to, you have to take it down there, and inevitably, there's no judgment here, but inevitably, uh, somebody in their pickup truck, one of those bags will just, will just fly out and land on the side of the road, right? I see it every year. And as the week goes on, there'll be another one, and then another one. And I'm not trying to complain, but you guys are really junking up my side of town. <laughs> and Rachel and I were driving back from the park one day over, over Christmas break, and we were looking at, you know, the kind of this mile of, of debris, and I just said, hey, you know... Uh, if I ever had a bag fly out of my truck, not that that would ever happen, but if that ever happened, do you know what I would do? And then I was like, hey, she wasn't even listening to me. She was just like looking at her phone because <laughs> I was kind of feeling kind of puffed up and self-righteous, you know. I said, do you, I said, hey, do you know what I would do if a bag flew out of my truck? I would go and pick it up, you know. I would go and pick it up if I saw a bag of trash fly out of my truck. Well, the next day I loaded up my little truck all the way and I took my three girls because uh, like my father before me I'm teaching them about the dump run that takes place and 
No sooner had I turned on to South Mount Juliet Road than a gust of wind lifted this plump, hefty bag. I saw it in my rearview mirror uh, uh, oh, up in the air, and it landed right on the double yellow line in the middle of the highway, and this car swerved to miss it, and it just exploded everywhere. And the, the girls were like, oh, you know, we all, we all saw it. And it looked as if, uh, it looked as if the entire Armstrong Christmas was just right out there on the middle of the road. I pulled over and I sat there and I thought, I have only told one person. <laughs> That's what I thought. I've only told one person and she's not here. <laughs> and told the girls, I, I, I thought, you can tell them, you know, you win some, you lose some, you know, some kind of line like that. But I didn't. I got out. And, and Mary said, don't do it, Dad. I'm, watch out. And Phoebe said, go for it, Dad. You got this. <laughs> and I looked over at Lydia, and she's on her phone. She's just like her mom, right? And only, I think, in that moment, only because I told Rachel I got out. You know? And I played like Frogger out there, you know, picking up all my trash. There is a power. There's something that happens when you tell somebody about a conviction. There's something that happens. There's an action that's required after you tell somebody. So God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. And God told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And God told Joshua that you are going to be the one that's going to lead the people into the land that I promised them, which is a fine moment for Joshua. But something happened, I think, when Joshua, maybe, I wonder if there was more power in what Joshua did next, and that was he told somebody. Right? Remember? He said, God said, I was brave. And God said, I was strong. I was feeling afraid. I was feeling discouraged. But this is what God has said about me. He knew his identity. He believed it. But then he actually acted upon it and told somebody. And today I just want to talk to you about what happens when you know your identity. Last week I said to you all, you are brave. You are strong. You are known. You are loved. That's who you are. I saw a bunch of you already writing the scripture down. Be strong and courageous, putting it up in your home. I, I saw it on whiteboards and classrooms around our community. Um, wearing the t-shirt, brave, strong, known, love. And it hit me this week that I didn't give you a fair warning of what happens when you know that and then you start wearing it. And so I just want to walk through Joshua more than any uh, preacher should try to do in one week, Okay. We're going to skip a lot of stuff, but I want you to hear some things that happen in you and that you need to be warned about when you say, I am brave, I am strong, I am known, I am loved because of who God has says I am. The first thing is this, God will tell you to walk behind his word. Now, most of these statements I'm going to give you, I have four, will mean nothing outside of the story, so you kind of have to hear the story. After Joshua knows who he is and he tells the people about it, he then sends two spies. They're across the Jordan River, but they can see Jericho. I actually got to go there this year on my trip to the Holy Land. It's amazing. You can be at the Jordan River, and you look out, and you can see Jericho. I never had any idea what Jericho looks like. Here's what it looks like. It looks like an oasis. It's green. It's colorful in the middle of what I would call the desert or wilderness. 
And so Joshua sends two spies over into this place. Here's what they find out. They come back, and here's what they said. They said, the people in Jericho are shaking in their boots about the people of God. And Joshua says, why? How? What? And, he's, and they said, yes, they have heard about the Red Sea. They heard about the Red Sea all these miles away 40 years ago? Yeah, the people in Jericho are shaking in their boots because the folks who walked across water are now only separated from them by water. And so God tells Joshua, this is how this is going to work. Joshua 3, verse 3 says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant that held the word of God, that held the law, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, you are uh, to, to follow it. You see it there? Uh, in verse 6 of chapter 3, uh, it says, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. What's being said here is these priests are going to carry God's word in front of the people. They're going where God swore they could go, but they're following God's word. Verse 8 says, uh, Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. The word of God goes ahead of the people and they follow it. If you feel like God's saying to you this year, be strong and courageous. Don't get ahead of God's word. So last week we said that. We'll be, we'll be strong and courageous. And, we, and I said, let's take this statement as our verse for the year. I'm not, what I want you to know is I'm not trying to give you like uh, statements to raise your spirits during the week. That's not what this is about. I'm not trying to just give you an encouraging word, though I think it could encourage you from time to time. What, what I'm saying is the word of God has to go before you into this year, into your classroom, into your job, into your family. There's a, a lady named Miss Stacy Tanner who's a member of our church. She was my daughter Mary's first grade teacher at Rutland, and she teaches kindergarten now over at Rutland, which means that she is a saint. And she started uh, this week, I saw on social media, she, she put this word of God, be strong and courageous, Uh, on her counter in the kitchen. This is the picture that she posted, just on a sign. She said she's going to keep it there all year. Every morning, she and her son, Lewis can see this. Be strong and courageous. They can have that word from God out ahead of them as they start their day. The reason it's just Stacy and Lewis right now, though, is because Perry, Stacy's husband and Lewis's dad, is in the middle of his deployment. He's serving at Camp Bonsteel in Kosovo. For a year. And so they have to do this whole semester just like they did part of the last one in Christmas and their anniversary this week and the birthdays. They have to do that with dad away and in harm's way. I don't think Miss Tanner, whose husband is on the battle lines, just needs an encouraging word. She needs to know who she is, that she's brave. Are you listening? That she's strong that she's known, that she's loved, that her son is brave and he's strong and he's known and he's loved, not because how he's feeling that day, but because of who he is, who God has made him to be. So remember that. You don't get this amazing identity and then get to run wild. No. You walk in obedience to God's word. I would recommend putting it before you and, and, and following where the word of God leads. The second thing you'll, uh, these are warnings this morning, I guess, is God will ask you to go into the water before it parts, before it splits. That's kind of the traditional way they talk about the parting of the Red Sea, that it split open. You see, God's going to ask you to go into the water before (laughs) it parts. The Jordan River, we're told in verse 15 of chapter 3, is at flood stage. 
I heard last week that the Cumberland River was at its highest stage since the flood of 2010. It's a, they're paying close attention to it. It would not be the time that you would want to cross it on foot. And the priests are told, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, which is that flood stage, almost impossible to pass, they're told, go and stand in the water. I would have wanted to go into the water as it was parting or after it parted. Once you get your identity and you tell someone you start wearing it, God will ask you to go into the water before it parts. I promise. It's scary. Remember last week we said, this is next level stuff. Be strong and very courageous. Joshua tells the priest, walk the Ark of the Covenant into the river at flood stage. They're like, great, yeah, okay. And maybe, maybe, he, could, maybe he wouldn't have done it if he hadn't told everybody he's going to do it. So, verse 14 says, When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. They're just looking at a big heap of water. The priest, verse 17, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. If they had waited for the waters to part, they'd still be standing there. God will ask you to walk into the water before it parts. So now we have Joshua walking with this army of some tens of thousands probably. He's walking them to Jericho. And as he's walking to Jericho, I got to imagine that he's probably feeling sort of like a bad dude. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's just led the people through the Jordan River. He's got to be feeling pretty good. And there's this strange story in chapter 5 that he encounters a man, one man standing in the middle of the road holding a sword. One man, he's got the army of God. They've just walked through the river. Verse 13 says, Joshua went up to him and asked him, are you for us or for our enemies? Good question, right? There's just one guy with a sword. Hey, who are you with? Us? We just crossed the Jordan River. Or our enemies? Here's what the guy with the sword answered. He said, neither You ever feel like a bad dude, then you encounter somebody and you're like, oh, they're the bad dude. (laughs) Right? Who are you with? Us or our enemies? Neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Periodically, God will make you take your shoes off. What does that mean? The angel, we find out, is a way for Joshua to never forget that the only way he's going to take the promised land is through the power and the word of God. Take your shoes off. We should be thankful when God humbles us. So I'm giving these little warnings this morning. You know, if last week you're like, I'm brave, I'm strong, I'm known, I'm loved, and you're going to go into the promised land, I just want to let you know that there will be a moment, maybe every week, right, 
maybe every Sunday, where God's like, take your shoes off. It's a humbling experience. God does this to me all the time. When I think I'm a big shot, I'll end up having to take my shoes off. I fall face down. And if I'm, if I'm paying attention in that place, I can give thanks that I didn't march into the city with my own plan. Because when they got to Jericho, chapter 6, verse 1, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. They knew they were coming. No one went out and no one came in. So this was the plan gave, God gave Joshua. It's one of the famous Joshua stories. You may have heard it. He tells them to march around the city six days in a row, one time. So this large army, they march around one time and they just have to go back to camp and sit six days in a row. On the seventh day, they're told to march around the city seven times. And after they've circled seven times, they will blow their trumpets and everyone shout. Verse 20 says, they did this. And when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the, man gave a loud, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Here's my fourth uh, thing you need to know. God says the walls are going to fall when you shout. What I mean by that is eventually you're going to have to say something. You're going to have to do something. <laughs> when the people of God, this is what I was thinking about this week. Because here's what the Israelites were doing for 40 years. They were shouting at each other. They were bickering. It's all through there. They're grumbling. They were complaining at Moses. Why'd you bring us out in this desert? They do it here in just a moment with Joshua. But I was thinking this week, what happens when the people of God stop shouting at each other and start shouting together? What happens is walls fall down. So we need to know that when we know our identity and shout together, stuff happens. When we, when we join our voices, I'm not wanting y'all to get all shouty, or you can if you want, but stuff happens and it's exciting and that's okay. I was watching the uh, national championship game on Monday night, Alabama fans, I'm sorry, just take a deep breath. It's not, I'm not talking about the result of the game. We got paper bags underneath the chair. You can, you know, <laughs> breathe into it. But I, what I love, and I, especially with Alabama, I love at the, the beginning part of the games. Y'all know this scene, right? When all the players are in the tunnel. You know what I'm talking about? And I was, I was watching the national champ. I was like, why do they even do that? I'm like, oh, this is very exciting. You've got all these guys. They've been preparing for this. They're in the tunnel, and they're just, like, moving. They can't, they can't hold it in. And Saban's standing there like Darth Vader, you know, just at the front. He's just, like, staring straight ahead. But there's this mass of these, these, these ready people behind him. And I noticed, Coach Matt, that they even have these coaches who are placed in there. They're keeping the guys under control. They're almost simultaneously holding them back and pumping them up. It's an interesting exercise. I noticed at the national championship, they had a microphone up over it. You could actually hear the coach. He's like, a, I don't know what coach he is, the assistant to the assistant, the assistant coach. His only job is like holding the guys back. And I could hear him. This is what he's saying. He was saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. And then he would go, this is the moment we've been waiting for. And I was like, what? And they're like pushing against him. He's like, hold back, hold back, hold back, hold back. You were born for this. And they're like going nuts. Saban's at the front. He's just like this, right? And then there's this moment. They give him the signal and those guys come busting out fireworks, smoke. They're going crazy. They run past the coaches. The coaches are getting out of the way. I have no idea what this has to do with Joshua, but I'm just thinking, what was it like? Six days. You get to circle one time. Not yet, not yet, not yet. 
The seventh day, you circle seven times. We are ready. Not yet, not yet. But you were born for this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is the moment we've been waiting for. They're carrying the bones of Joseph with them. Forty years. None of their parents or grandparents got to make it. Moses died on Mount Nebo. Nobody saw it coming. And then Joshua says, God told me to be strong and courageous and we're going tomorrow. Like what happens when the, when the people of God join our voices together in a shout? It's why I'm, I'm trying to be strong and courageous uh, in a dream that God has given us. It's why I would get up in front of you and say, I want to see every kid fed. Every last one of them. I want to see every person free from addiction. Who says that? I want to see every woman, every child, every man out of abusive relationships. Let's be done with it, right? Something we've been talking about. Well, there's no way I can do that or Liz can do that or Kim and Gwen can do that. People who have dreams in different parts of that. But what if we join our shout together? That's what we're dreaming about. And for me, you know, this is just, uh, this is not a fairy tale is what I'm saying. I believe it's the word of God. It's right out in front of us this morning and we're gonna follow after it. So in your own life, you know what walls need to come down. Um, But to do that, to see that happen, you're gonna have to first know who you are. I'm gonna close with this. I'm almost done. I think it's really significant that God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And then Joshua starts experiencing all the Moses stuff. Did you notice? He's walking people across water. Right? That's what Moses did. Uh, he meets a guy out in the wilderness, tells him to take his shoes off. That's exactly what, Mo- what Moses was told. Moses is walking with the word out in front of him. That's what, Mo- all the stuff that, that happened to Moses, God's showing him like, I'm doing this with you now. I told you last week that Joshua's name, Yeshua, is the same name as Jesus. And so Jesus becomes like the great Joshua. And you know what Jesus does? Like first off in the story, this is crazy. He walks into the Jordan. He's baptized in the Jordan. He's tempted uh, right outside of the Jordan. The place right outside of Jericho is where they think Jesus was on the Mount of Temptation. There's a time that he was up there and the devil's tempting him every, with everything you can think of because he hadn't anything to eat. And and he's telling him, you can make this stone into bread. And Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. What's Jesus doing in the wilderness? He's putting the word of God right out in front of him. Can you believe that? What's Jesus do with shoes? He, he takes them off of his disciples. He washes them. Humbles them. Humbles us. Right? This, and, and then... Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, I had missed it. I read it in a funeral yesterday. John chapter 14 is really cool. It's like, not let your heart to be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If we're not so, I would not have told you. There's all this powerful stuff there. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. But there's this line where Jesus says, the things that I have done, you're going to do. And you're going to do even greater things. You see what I'm saying? So to Joshua, it's like, you're going to do what Moses did. And then Jesus becomes like the Joshua. The Lord will save. The Lord is salvation. And he begins doing all these things, walking out onto water to his disciples, all that kind of stuff. But then he says to us, you're going to do the things that I have done and even greater things. And that's why when we come together and shout, 
we would be bold to, to dream dreams that could only be done if God could make walls come down. How can you do that in your own life? You have to know this, that you are brave, you are strong, you are known, and you are loved. In the name of Jesus, amen.